it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Winging It with Vince Carter and Annie Finberg is back in full swing for its second season. Catch up on recent episodes with guests like Wyclef Jean, who talks about growing up in Haiti, hip-hop as a teacher, and performing with a goat. And you can hear from tennis phenom Coco Goff on beating Venus Williams at 15 years old. You can listen to Winging It on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by my producer, Steve Allman. And Steve, uh, it's wonderful. You're here, I'm here, and it's Monday. It's not Wednesday. We got the day right this time. We got the day right this time, and I've been told by my incessant Twitter feed that many things have been happening in the world of sports. Yes, uh, they keep having basketball. (laughs) God, it never stops. Basketball never stops. We love basketball, but we're here on the right day. We're going to continue to have the right day. We figured it all out. It's a new year. It's a new us, Uh, but it's the same you guys. And thank you for listening. A reminder to please rate and review us. And don't forget about all the great NBA content on the ringer.com. Lots of good stuff up there, gang. We have Dan Devine's five most interesting teams under 500. We have Haley O'Shaughnessy, how to make the most of an NBA trade demand, which was very funny, very Haley. And Paolo Ugetti, Paolo Escoblog with second half questions, which... Very germane for this show. Paolo will be here on the program in a little bit to talk about that very topic uh, in a little while. And he'll probably stick around. We'll play a little good call, bad call. But first, a lot of news from the weekend. Let's review it and bring in our regular contributors, Dan and Haley. Boom, shakalaka. He's heating up. He's on fire. All right, one is in studio, one is way across the country in our NYCHQ. It's Heat Check Coast to Coast with Haley and Dan. Hello, friends. Hey, Gons. How's it going, Gons? Everybody feeling okay out there? It's a little bit of sickness over here in the NYCHQ. Yeah, uh, so the girls are down with fevers, yeah? Yeah, Siobhan and Olivia Devine are uh, DNP fever today, so hope they feel better. I also hope they're not <laughs> listening to this show because we curse way too much for my small children to be listening to. Listen, the education has to start sooner than later. I hope they do <laughs> listen to it because we need the downloads. And also, That's true. <laughs> coach them up and get them back on the floor. Tape them up. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, 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 no more load management in the house. They got to get out there. And, <laughs> I, 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 ha- I don't have kids and I haven't had a fever in a while, so I'll figure it out. Uh, a lot of news to get to. Let's review the headlines from around the league with NBA Instant Replay. All right, so we got a lot of uh, players who are back in action. We're going to run through them quickly. We've got Kyrie Irving, who is back with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets beat the Atlanta Hawks by 22 on Sunday. They led wire to wire. It was the biggest win of the season. The fewest points allowed of the season. Uh, Kyrie Irving comes back and scores 21 points. He only missed one shot. He had been out since mid-November with a shoulder injury. He had a quarter zone shot around Christmas. They went 13-13 and 13 without him. Uh, we had debated, uh, the two of you, last week whether or not they should bring him back because obviously this is not the Nets year. It's going to be next year when KD returns. Uh, but clearly, Dan, your Brooklyn Nets, they bring back Kyrie Irving and boom, he's off and running. That's the missing piece. Well, I mean, are they going to keep playing the Atlanta Hawks every night? I think that's sort of the main question. I think that's how the schedule goes, yes. If you're going to come back, you might as well get a soft landing. Um, I think the the interesting part of it to me, obviously Kyrie looked great, but um, that Kenny Atkinson started uh, 
Dinwiddie alongside Kyrie Irving when they came back. He's had Karis LeVert coming off the bench. That's a big sort of question for me, what the offense winds up looking like and what they really, uh, maybe more on the defensive end, because they're going to score like gangbusters with those two ball handlers out there. Are they going to get picked on defensively with sort of a smaller backcourt? But so far, it looks it looks pretty good. And I think that's the kind of, they, their offense has really struggled. They want to get some more juice in the offense. So getting the two of them out there together makes a lot of sense. Haley, as we record this, the Nets are in seventh place in the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference uh, back end, not exactly gangbusters. Uh, they're a couple of, ga- they're a game and a half up on the Orlando Magic for that final spot. Uh, upcoming schedule includes playing the Jazz at home at the Sixers, Bucks and Sixers at home, and then also the Lakers at home. With Kyrie back in the mix, there's still a concern about his shoulder injury. He didn't rule out shoulder surgery. He said that he might need more shots as well. But with Kyrie back in the mix, chances that they move up in the East, do you like their playoff aspirations? Well, and it's his shooting arm also, which yeah. which has to be mentioned because that's obviously the majority of his game. And he his needs handles. that. He, he definitely needs that, yes. Uh, if there's any time for him to come back, it's now. Yes, last week we were talking about potentially shutting him down, and that's really just to preserve whatever him and KD are going to be. But if he's fine, I mean, I know that this was against the Trayless Hawks, but if he can do this, they certainly need him facing the Jazz, who have won nine in a row, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Lakers. This is the time for him to come back. And he's back, and I like watching him. I also like watching Pascal Siakam, who returned. He uh, is back with Toronto. He started the game on Sunday. He had 15 points. Sounds good in theory. Only one, though, after the half. He missed all five shots in the second half, including a possible game-tying layup. The Raps blew an 18-point lead, Dan, to the Spurs. Nick Nurse said it would take some time to shake off the rust. What did you think of Pascal's return? Yeah, I, I think it's encouraging just that he was able to get up and down and looked like, I mean, didn't look necessarily like himself from the beginning part of the season, but it's it's going to take him a while to get his win back and get his rhythm back. But the most important thing to me is that the concern with the Raptors was when all those guys got hurt at once, with Gasol and Norm Powell, et cetera, that they didn't fall apart. They went six and five without Siakam in the lineup. They were only a couple games back of the two seed, and they didn't like completely run Kyle Lowry into the ground during that stretch. I think that's the most important thing. Now that you, you get your sort of your larger collection of guys back together, um, you can sort of coalesce and see what you're going to be for the second half of the season. But they were already within hailing distance of, of a, a home court advantage. And now they get him back in the lineup. I think that sort of fortifies them as they go forward. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the Raptors all season long. I think like what we said, they've played well, even when they've had injuries and they've had moving parts. And, uh, you know, the cliches about the back in, against the wall and the next man up and the whole bit. And they, ke- they keep doing it. And I, I was going to count out the Raptors this year. Uh, and that was obviously the wrong thing to do. And as you said, they were in hailing distance without Pascal. Uh, and now hopefully they'll continue to be. Uh, the Washington Wizards, they haven't been hailing distance of anything but the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They did have however, get two more players back on Sunday. Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryan Haley returned to the lineup. Uh, one of them looked good. One of them did not. They lost at home to the Jazz, uh, but Beal and Thomas Bryant back for the Wizards. I want you to tell me which one looked good and which one did not. One of them looked good and one of them looked <laughs> schmeh. Uh, the good was Bradley Beal. He was out since January, one with a lower leg injury. Had 25 points in 27 minutes, just cooking. And then Thomas Bryant back after six weeks, he was out with a right foot stress reaction. 20 minutes, just eight points and three assists and then zeros across the board with the rest of his line. He looked schmeh. Uh, Before we started recording, Gans said he looked schmeh. Yeah, and that's... I refused <laughs> to say it. So I wanted him yeah, to say and it. yet you just did. So did. jokes on you, tricked you in. 
into it. Uh, you were mentioning Brad Beal and Trey Young and their race for potentially getting all-star nods. Well, yeah, and then also Kyrie, because Kyrie yes. should have, he played the Hawks last night. If had Trey played, then that would be the two leading vote getters mm-hmm. for the guards in the East. And then there's Bradley Beal too. But Bradley Beal has missed time. Do you so want to throw do you want to throw out which one you like best? By the way, I like how you tied this beginning of the show into a nice little bow for us. I'm coming for your spot. You did a great job. It's, it's, <laughs> it was always going to be yours. I'm just holding the seat for you. Uh, I want Trey the most. I think he's the most fun and also the most healthy of the three right now. Dan Devon, you got a vote on that between those three? Not like a, it's probably not going to come down to just one of them, but pick one. Imagine it did come down to my vote. I was the one deciding. Uh, those guys would hate me. Um, mm. Well, maybe more than anyone already hates me. Uh, I would take Trey Young for the purposes of something new and Trey for the purposes of he's outperforming and outproducing uh, Beal in those categories. The fact that they're so bad, though, with or without him, like kind of makes it hard. The Wizards aren't much better, so I guess it makes it a little easier to say we'll take a guy from the most losing team than another losing team. But uh, yeah, I would go with Trey Young there. Uh, wouldn't feel great about it. One more potential return to keep an eye on, not in the Eastern Conference, out in the Western Conference. Steph Curry, video of him shooting, uh, looking really good, getting up a lot of shots. He apparently will be reevaluated on February 1. It sounds like he's getting close to a return. My question, though, Dan, should he be getting close to a return? Uh, This is obviously a lost season for the Golden State Warriors. They're sort of looking uh, towards next season already. I know he wants to play, and it's a disappointing year for Steph, but he's the franchise. I think part of this is me my Sixers talking right now. My Philadelphia (laughs) shut everybody down and just wait till next year. But should they at least consider that? I think they should. I mean, obviously, you're talking about a team that's nine and a half games out of the eighth seed with uh, 538 has them with less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs. So it's not a very unlikely that Steph would like galvanize them to a run to the, the postseason. But the big question that they've got to figure out next summer it doesn't sound like they're going to move D'Angelo Russell before the trade deadline. So they've got to figure out what they want next year's team to look like. Is D'Angelo Russell going to be a part of that or do they want to move him this summer? And I think a big part of that decision making process is going to be what does he look like next to Steph Curry? So if you get a half season to take a look at it and some more reps, some more opportunity to analyze what that looks like, I can see that being something that Steve Kerr in the front office wants to take a look at, especially if you if it's like he's back from the broken bone and he feels comfortable and there's no real major uh, extra reason to be concerned that he's going to get injured again. Like, you know, I think that it makes sense to try to get as much information as you can before you got to make the choice this summer. Haley, I feel like you'd have a real strong take on whether or not uh, <laughs> Steph should just take the year off or not. I, like, I do. I How do you know that? I just, I just feel like this is right in you your wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, but I don't know which way you would go. I could see you going either way here, but I know for sure that you have an idea about it. All right. Let's see what both of you think I'm going to say. I think you would say, I don't like the idea of Steph sitting out. He should get back out there and play. That's what I think. I'm 26. I'm not, okay, Dan, what do you think? What is I, think the, you're gonna, I think you're going to say if you can get a paid vacation for the next two months, go for it. <laughs> what is the 26 component That's a very, like, old man, get off my lawn, go play. First of all, I want to say this. You said Steph Curry is the face of the franchise. No, he's not. It's Eric Paschow. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, no, he can do whatever he wants. Steph should sit out if he wants to sit out. Maybe missing an entire season is like a pride thing for him based on his early seasons, which were so filled with injuries. Maybe he wants to mentor on the court. Maybe his kids are at the age where they're getting annoying. Maybe he has to come back. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what, whatever it is, but this should be entirely up to him. To Dan's point, yes, that makes sense. Do you want to see if they can play, if he can play with D'Angelo Russell? It makes sense. But Clay Thompson's coming back, and there's not going to really be a need for him anyway. I do really like the idea of the paid vacation. That sounds delightful. <laughs> uh, last one for you guys for headlines. Uh, and Dan, you're New York Knicks. 
Boy, are they <sighs> nicking, apparently, to these various reports. Uh, they did not make Dan's cut for the five most interesting teams under 500. I don't know why, because they are forever uh, on my list. At the Athletics Champs Charnia reports that they are interested in Andre Drummond. SNY's Ian Begley reports that it is more serious, these talks, than just exploratory. The Detroit Free Press reported that uh, the Pistons are indeed looking to move Andre Drummond before the deadline. They have talked to the Raptors and Mavs. And they reported that the Knicks potential package could include uh, Frank Neal Aquina and Julius Randle. So, sure. Uh, Dan, thoughts on the Knicks looking at Andre Drummond, who has stated more times than not that he wants to become a free agent this offseason. Yeah, I, I, it's it feels really wild that the one thing that we seem to we feel like we know the Knicks have is a rim protecting pick and roll dive man center on a cheap contract for a few years. So instead, <laughs> let's trade for one, give up some, you know, I mean, and, and the idea of Randall plus Frank, I mean, it hurts my heart, the idea that Frank would go, but that's not a lot to give up if you're not putting picks in the pro, in the in the pile there. But to pay for the right to pay him a max for four years after that, that's wild to me. I don't know. I, I in they theory, don't even want to they don't even really want to try out Mitchell Robinson, who's your guy. I mean, they have like in fits and spurts, and and I realize that they changed the coach here, but mm -hmm. with Fizz, there were moments where like, oh, oh, it looked like he was really committing to Mitchell Robinson, and then all of a sudden they weren't, and the same thing is sort of happening now, uh, and I just wonder, like, what is their plan with that position? I mean, listen, if you if you knew the answer to that, you could probably make a lot of money consulting with them. Yeah, um, I would the, love to. Get out of James Dolan. Um, I, it's, it, I, Drummond would be a, I can see the idea as like a floor raiser sort of like Detroit's never been great with him, but it's also like, he's a decent enough player on both ends of the floor. Um, he's, you know, certainly a more talented all around and a better all around player than they have at basically any front court position right now. It just seems like the idea of, of trading for a guy that you have to pay max money to lock in like good not great or not really a, a, a raise in your overall ceiling feels like uh, a, a, a lot of money to spend for not much return. So uh, I'm skeptical that it would be a good idea. I'm not skeptical at all that they will pursue it. And we'll see. It feels like a very Knicks move. Haley, I need less word from you on this. Uh, I have struggled with Andre Drummond and figuring out what he is for a while now. So you be the, the final decider here. Is he good or is he just good stats, bad team? No, he's not good stats, bad team. He's good at what he does. The problem is, is that it's extremely limited, which is what's hilarious to me. Why is he opting out? Who is paying him a max? I can't believe this is a thing. Am I the only one who doesn't think he should get a max? If he opts out, he's going to be opting out of $28 million next year. Well, this is my point with Andre Drummond. I look at his numbers and I go, okay, well, like he puts up numbers, right? But it very rarely manifests itself in the Pistons winning. And then beyond that, Andre Drummond clearly thinks that Andre Drummond is really good, right? Because he's out there like trying to showcase different parts of his game. And it, in the service of what? What are the Pistons doing? And if you're another team in a league that is increasingly uh, marginalizing the center position, like how many people out there are, to your point, looking to give a max to an Andre Drummond? Everyone tr is trying to transform their offense or make it multifunctional. You're not going to do that with Andre Drummond. He will give you those numbers, but that, and he'll give you defense. But at what cost? At literally, what cost? literally, at what cost? <laughs> too much, Haley O'Shaughnessy, too much. Uh, that was NBA Instant Replay. Before we bring in Paolo and go to the main event, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. 
This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game. Uh, Steve, help me out here. I mean, everybody knows that I'm one of the youngest uh, up-and-comers here at the Ringer. Oh, yes, absolutely. Nobody says otherwise. Future is so bright, I got to wear shades. And for me, growing up, uh, I always watched Steph Curry because he's, uh, you know, he's a three-point virtuoso. And as a young child watching him, it was quite exciting. His pregame routine, he's bombing from half court. He's doing stuff from the tunnel. Uh, Everybody loves Steph Curry and, uh, you know, he's much older than me. So I'm excited to see what happens with the rest of his career. And that was brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the do. And now back to Heat Check. All right, joining us in the studio, staff writer extraordinaire Paolo Ugetti, who you wrote a column, uh, you're a columnist now, but you were slightly delayed in getting here because uh, we were going to start the show earlier, but Paolo was thrust into duty on behalf of Haley, who demanded that she go and get him coffee. But he forgot all my Red Skittles. (laughs) <laughs> like, also, when we sat down, Steve, she was like, where are my headphones? Like, wow. people on this pod, are like, okay? superstar Haley O'Shaughnessy is demanding things. That's yeah. why she needed the coffee. Everybody's got to deliver for Haley. Anyway, hi, Playoff P. What's up? Good wow. to be here. Playoff it's P, I like that. It's not even playoff time, but it, I'll take it. It's <laughs> always playoff time for Paolo. It's exciting. He wrote a very fun column that we're going to get into. It's time for the main event. All right, so, uh, Paolo, your column about second-half questions leads us to start with uh, the Western Conference. Haley, you had previously written about this as well, but, uh, Paolo, I'm interested about your thoughts on that race for the eight seed that now includes, surprisingly, the Memphis Grizzlies, who have won five in a row and seven of their last ten. I love it. Like, I can't get enough of the Grizzlies. I'm actually watching Grizzlies basketball for a mm-hmm. while, and I feel like it's, like, the bizarre other spectrum of what grit and grind was like they were fun to watch for very specific reasons but now this is kind of like what if that but the exact opposite and you just watch like <laughs> jaw go at the rim like crazy uh triple j's mm-hmm. which is i think what i like to call them i don't know people do jjj triple j uh has been playing really well Wait, who late. does jjj triple I've, I've j is j- the I've obvious a call bunch here of different maybe jj reddick does that because he's but the extra J is junior, maybe yeah. one too many J's. But I'm with you. The, keep going because yeah, this core no, is super great. fun. They were they were here in LA, I think, about a week ago, and you could just tell that they like playing with each other. Like even the veterans, like you have Jay Crowder there, you have uh, I think Solomon Hill. Like they like the vibe of the team, and they like the fact that Jaws getting all this attention that he's playing so well. It seems like they have the perfect mix of veterans and young players who are playing really well right now. Haley, uh, as you know, and as he checked listeners know, uh, this is the Memphis Grizzlies podcast on the ringer podcast network. Nobody else on, uh, at our company has a tie to the Grizzlies. We love the Grizzlies. We got in on the ground floor. John Morant is incredible. He's so much fun and he's terrifying for the same reasons. He's so much fun. Mm -hmm. Like he'll just jump in the air and there'll be a giant 30 foot man Mm -hmm. in between him and the rim. And he'll sometimes he'll somehow (laughs) climb over that man and then land like halfway. Like he's like doing a midair, like snowflake thing. He almost ended Kevin Love. Yes. And he's always ended himself like multiple times. His (laughs) limbs are not made to do that, but somehow he's done it. Uh, Dan, Zach Cram, our colleague, Zach Cram had a story about, uh, some of the young guys and the comps to them. And John Morant's number one comp was Stevie franchise, Steve Francis. Tell me he's, yeah, I also grimace. Dan is grimacing right now. It's a handsome grimace face, but a grimace nonetheless. Uh, tell me that John Morant is not going to be Stevie franchise. He's going to be better than that. 
I'm more like Grimace from McDonald's, but I appreciate that. Um, I think that John, uh, Steve Francis is like, I get it from a high-scoring pick-and-roll point guard up and down north-south north, north player kind of thing, but I feel like the playmaking feel that he that Ja has is more advanced than that. I, another player on that sort of comp list was Trey Young, and while Ja doesn't have that kind of range, the uh, the feel in the pick-and-roll, the ability to manipulate the defense and move the ball to either side of the floor, I think is that's maybe war, more where I, the line that I see him in. Um, Morant's been incredible. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been fantastic. He's bombing away from three to a uh, greater degree than he did last year. Uh, very quick before we go, DeAnthony Melton. Yes. I love DeAnthony Thank Melton. Thank you, Dan. I, I, I mentioned this before the season and it wound up, I think we, the first time we did a pilot podcast, you were like, DeAnthony Melton, stop talking about DeAnthony Melton. <laughs> but uh, they are plus 149 in his 400 plus minutes with them uh, on the floor over the course uh, since December 1st. He's been fantastic defensively and as a complimentary offensive player. They got balance in the starting lineup and the, the bench. It's fantastic. Watch the Grizzlies. You will not regret it. As I said, this is your place for all Grizzlies talk. Where else are you getting that much DeAnthony Melton conversation? I love it. That's a deep cut, but I have always believed he's a USC guy, so that's partly why. Right. But I wrote a story on him for the ringer when he was a freshman at USC about how he had some of the similar skills that would make him like an elite on-ball defender uh, in the NBA and how I thought that that's what was going to, you know, make him go into the NBA. And then he bounced around from Phoenix to, to to Memphis. And it seems like that's like the perfect spot for him. It's it's going really well. He's he's thriving, like Dan said. I have really enjoyed watching the Memphis Grizzlies. I've not quite enjoyed as much watching the San Antonio Spurs, although <laughs> they've been playing much, much better of late. They started out 7-14, and 14, Haley. And now all of a sudden they are tied with the Memphis Grizzlies for that eight spot. You are shaking your head. You cannot believe that they're still in this. Don't make... Don't call me out on shaking my head. I was doing that. That was <laughs> this is trusting between me and you. It's a uh, theater wow. of the mind. I'm bringing I'm bringing the listeners into our studio. <sighs> Look, they always come back. They do always, they always come back. Come back. They always It's funny because like, yesterday like a what? you can't get rid of them like a what, Haley? I do not <laughs> say things that I said in confidence to you. Can uh, someone fill me in? Uh, <laughs> after the show, when the mic is no I mean, longer on, I'll be happy. You just can't to- get rid of them. You just I keep, not, they don't, right, they just right, keep right. coming back. Like, like a bad a nuclear, penny. They turn up again. That's what it is. Wow, like a bad that's penny. So that's awesome. what we were going to say. Um, but so, no. no I, lo- I love the Spurs. I love the Spurs. No, so, I love watching the Spurs shoot from the mid-range well, all the time. You know what? It's interesting that you mentioned that, though, because LaMarcus Aldridge over these last 10 games, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dan Devine is shooting uh, three-pointers with abandoned five per game. He's shooting 56% from three out of nowhere. Greg Popovich was asked about it. He said, I'm not even coaching him. I'm coaching his twin it's like he's a new guy uh but you coastal elite dan divine much like haley o'shaughnessy had poo-pooed the spurs and i told you not to last year i was the one who dismissed the spurs and you mocked me for it and i was wrong last year this year those roles have been reversed uh repent dan uh, I, I'm heartily sorry for having offended the coach Popovich. Um, I, I wrote about them a little bit in Five Most Interesting Teams on Friday. LaMarcus shooting a ton of threes is opening the paint up a lot for DeRozan. Nobody has driven to the basket more over the last 10 games than DeMar DeRozan, and he's shooting 81.5% at the rim. So it's like this idea the whole ecosystem gets it's a lot healthier when you got more space on the floor and you can get that one guy knifing to the basket. It's opened up a lot for their offense, and uh, it's, it's made them more competitive over the last 5-10 games. 
that's Dan saying he was wrong and I was right. Yeah. Now, uh, for that last spot in the in in the Western Conference, before we move on, I just want to take everybody's temperature here. So we've got the Grizzlies and the Spurs, as we've mentioned. Uh, somehow, the Suns are kind of sort of involved. The Portland Trailblazers are not that far off the pace, and eventually, hopefully, they'll get Nurk back. Let's let's go around the horn here. Who do we think at the midway point? Because we're talking about second half questions here. In the second half, the last uh, seed in the Western Conference will be who, Palo? I would love for it to be the Grizzlies. I really would. But I kind of think that it will be either the Blazers or the Spurs. It'll be the Blazers, but I wish it was the Grizzlies as yeah. well. Dan Devine? Well, since for the purposes of commitment to the bit, I'm going to fade the Spurs and say, go Grizzlies. Let's go for it. I would love for it to be the Grizzlies. I'm with you guys. I think it would be super fun. I'm going with muscle memory here. Never count out the San Antonio Spurs. I learned my lesson. Uh, I don't I don't need to be taught it again. Give me the Spurs. All right, let's go through some of Paolo's questions from his excellent column on the ringer.com, uh, which, as I said, he's a columnist already. How old are you? You're like 21 years old. You're, 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 like, you're like Benjamin Button. You're, you're aging in yeah. reverse. It's really incredible. Uh, which injured player will make the biggest impact in the playoff race in the second half? This is a great question. Give us your answer. Yeah, so I thought, you know, there are a couple teams. Well, there's a handful of teams getting players back from injuries that, that have been out for a while. And the three that I focused on were uh, Victor Oladipo coming back for the Pacers, Kyrie coming back for the Nets and Yusuf Nurkic coming back for the Blazers. And in the context of the playoff race, I thought because the East is the way it is and you kind of have the Pacers and Nets as more or less locks, like the Nets are in the eighth seed, I think four games up on the Hornets. I thought the most impactful addition back from injury is going to be Nurkic whenever he comes back. It, it, that one, it remains unclear when he's supposed to come back, but when he comes back, I think that Hopefully, for the Blazers' sake, they they remain in striking distance so that he can help them get to that eight seed. Because otherwise, um, I don't know. They they look like they need. I mean, they've been relying on Hassan Whiteside. Come yeah, on. which uh, I'm not. I'm not a Hassan Whiteside guy. And previously, you saw how well Nurk operated in that system. They ran a lot of offense through him. He was an excellent passer. Uh, it just changed the dynamic for that team. So yeah, I wonder if. The question for me is timing. Like, how soon is right, he going to yeah. be back? And are they still going to be in the playoff picture? Uh, Haley. Paolo mentioned Victor Oladipo. We have been waiting for him for quite some time. He's going to come back on January 29. As Paolo mentioned, they are a playoff lock. I mean, the Pacers are going to be there. How much will he help them? Well, I mean, he's their best player. He's their best, their best player. player their best help. scorer. It's going to transform everything, but I think in a good way. We're going to see less Aaron Holiday. Um, probably less TJ shooting, but these are all good things because this means that their second unit is automatically going to get so much better. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, the Pacers, who somehow have these last two years always found a way to to stay firm in their positioning, are going to be a lot stronger. Uh, some other questions from Paolo's story here, and this one's fun. Dan, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, will the return of Zion or the Splash Brothers bring more excitement? We had talked at the top of the show about Steph Curry looking like he's going to be reevaluated February 1. He's getting up shots. He looks good. I'm not sure he should come back, but as Haley said, uh, maybe his kids are annoying. So he could be. Uh, what are you more excited about here? This is heel, heel Haley uh, all episode. This is fantastic. Haley um, just crushing little kids. Amazing. <laughs> Um, I will say, I, I think Zion, because it's still like, we still haven't even gotten to unwrap the present, right? Like we, yeah, yeah. We see, now we know how exciting Steph Curry can be. We know how exciting uh, th that, you know, the, the Splash Brothers can be. 
what Zion looks like in this in like live action is still something that we don't know. And how long he's going to be uh, effective doing it, to what degree is he even going to be better than he was in the preseason? How long will it take him to get back to the like historic levels he was in the preseason? We don't know. So I think all the anticipation for that and having to wait several months to get there, that's what I, I'm really waiting to, to, to be able to open that up and see what it looks like. Our Ringer teammate, J.J. Reddick, just had Zion on his podcast. You guys should check that out. Uh, Paolo, with Zion, there are a number of questions about how he'll look coming off the injury, Mm -hmm. but also conditioning, weight. Like, I'm whispering this because, you know, he's a bigger dude. And I just wonder, like, at what weight when he's that young, that, like, if you want to have a long career— right. This is something that we're going to be focused on with him. It was interesting. The Pelicans were here last Sunday, I think, and he went through a full warm-up. And it was my first time watching him in person. And it, he just, there's something about him that boggles the mind because he's so big mm-hmm. and yet can move so quickly and, and then dunk. And, and you're like, how are you a basketball player? You know. But at the same time, he was actually, I, I heard him talking about how he's the thing that's going to be a while is his rhythm, right? Because he was talking about when he comes across the middle, like sometimes he's so used to catching the ball in stride that he was missing it a little bit. So I think it's those things that are going to be more interesting to watch, see how he's fitting in in terms of like keeping up with the pace of the team, especially because when Lonzo's in there, they like to play faster. But I will say, going back to the eight seed conversation, they're only three and a half games back of the eight seed. So there's a world in which Zion comes in and is incredible immediately Pelicans make a playoff push, and maybe you get a little bit of the Embiid Brogdon Rookie of the Year situation where one player plays only a few games, but they're better than a full season. I don't know. There's a lot of endless possibilities don't, with that. Don't but Ja is a yeah. lot. Like, he's not Brogdon. No, like, he, I you know, understand. Like, no, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it'll be, it could be interesting to keep an eye on that if Zion comes in and immediately blows up. I, I won't. I mean, we just established that this is the Grizzlies podcast. Please do not disparage clear runaway favorite for rookie of the year, John Moran. I love him. Uh, I am kind of, uh, my interest in Zion has has waned while we've waited. Has it waned for you or does has waiting made it more exciting? Let me, let me uh, send you some YouTube clips. She's, <laughs> I literally first. wake up every morning. John's is very millennial. He's like, I want it now. Give it, give it to me now. <laughs> I have the attention span of a gnat. Uh, I want to bring the listener in uh, into the fold a little bit more. Not only did Haley shake her head at me earlier, then she just like squinted like an, a, a disgusted, uh, disapproving <laughs> look at me when I suggested that my that my interest had waned in Zion. All right, okay, so you're excited about Zion. I'm excited now. Uh, all right, to the box. Haley, I want to bring this up to you. Uh, as Paolo points out in his story, winning 70 games is nearly impossible. However, if they continue on this pace, they can make a run at 70 wins. They have the 14th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, you're not on them making a run at 70. I don't know. I guess we'll see if their team changes at all. It is, it's possible perhaps they, I mean, the, I think that them being in trade conversations has been kind of maybe all season, but I mean, they have the best record. They have Giannis. Uh, did you guys see the Bogdan Bogdanovich rumor? That yeah. would be very fun. But also, if it takes too much, like, God, that's fine. You know, they're they're really good as is. The loss of the Sixers does kind of make you think. It yeah. does kind of make you think. As you said, you're coming— But 
that is that's speaking about the we're talking about the record. We're not talking about the postseason. As you said, you're coming for my seat. That was an excellent transition because <laughs> I wanted to bring up the Sixers and whether or not they'll make a trade. Uh, a final question from Paolo's column: whether or not they'll go all in. They just lost to the Mavs. Uh, the Knicks are not the only ones, Dan and Paolo, who are circling the Pistons' decaying carcass. According to the Inquirer's Keith Pompey, the Sixers are interested in God help me, Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, and free agent Jeff Green. Please tell me that's not true. Uh, <laughs> would any of those guys help? The Sixers obviously desperately need shooters in the outline to further further pull back the curtain. I wrote that Kennard could be a poor man's JJ for the Sixers in the sort of uh, Brett Brown offense, uh-huh. right, where they need the dri- the dribble handoff and uh, he'll he'll jack up some 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 shots and uh, Palo. Dan corrected me. He he gave me a well actually and said that the better comp would be uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Classic man. Uh, classic Dan well actually <laughs> me. Just help me out here. Uh, would any of these guys help the Sixers? Okay. For one, I want to give a quick shout out to the Pistons for actually mm-hmm. looking like they're going to tear it down finally at last. As it's, well they should. Like, congrats. It's about time. Two, Luke Kennard, I think you would be pleasantly surprised by him. I think he's Good. I like him like, fine. I think he's he would be great on the Sixers. I'm I wonder how saying, they get him, though. Paolo. I'm saying. I, I don't know how they get him, but I think he would be good on the Sixers. This is what I'm saying. Okay, so Dan, uh, I'd be fine with Luke Kennard. I think he would be good on the Sixers. Yes, they obviously need some help. Uh, this is a tough spot for Elton Brand, though. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that we know for sure about Elton Brand, outside of the fact that he likes gigantic dudes, is that he's willing to go all in on stuff. Like, he's, he's, not, he's not afraid to make a big trade because he thinks that this is the window they have to maximize. Um, I think Kennard is going to be a tough piece because I think you'd have to give up a lot to get him. Um, but the idea of that sort of player, the guy who can shoot, space the floor, and maybe run some pick and roll, that's exactly what they might need to be able to get some better shots off, link together their big guys, and ease up some of the tension in that offense. Easing up some of the tension in that offense would be excellent. I would love for that to happen. Uh, We'll monitor that. Those were the second half questions for us to keep an eye on. That was the main event. Pal, you want to stick around? Let's do it. Let's play a little good call, bad call. What a bold call here. All right, first one for you. This was uh, well chronicled, but I have to bring it up to the gang because it was so much fun. Kevin Durant and Kendrick Perkins went at each other on Twitter. Two old teammates. Uh, KD said some shit. Kendrick Perkins then said all the shit, uh, including telling KD that it was the weakest move in NBA history that he joined the Warriors after OKC fell to the Warriors uh, when they were up 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Then Perk went on the jump and said, no disrespect, but you never got past the first round till I got there. (laughs) My God, good call or bad call, Haley O'Shaughnessy, you kick it off on delusional online Kendrick Perkins. Good call because I like this version of online KD. So whatever brings it out, I support. It's it's been wild. Paolo Ugetti. Bad call because it's kind of, it was kind of a weak argument. Like, yes, Perkins calling him out for saying like that's what everybody on Twitter said said when KD moved like oh that's such a weak move we're past that like it you know why why need to re- relitigate that it, it was kind of weak on my and what well, I thought and then also like KD coming up with the averages of what Perkins did in that series yeah. like, like I just yeah. want, I want to imagine like <laughs> KD just firing up his his MacBook and going on Basketball Reference just to make sure that he had the averages right I just like I love that that's my favorite part about that, it that part was fantastic Dan Devon uh, I'm gonna say good call if for only to say no disrespect but here's something extremely disrespectful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always my favorite way to have to enter any argument 
It was excellent. Uh, Steve Allman. Uh, good call. And I wish I could join Katie's clapback staff. 1000% <laughs> good call. Listen, Twitter is the place for crazy street preachers to rant shit. And uh, Kendrick Perkins finally figured that out. So I'm on board with it. Uh, next one for you. Rob Palenka. The Lakers extended his contract and promoted him. Gave him a multi-year extension. Vice president of basketball operations and general manager. Uh, gang, we are less than a year from him warring with magic and fighting a proxy battle in the press and everybody wondering what the hell was going on with the Lakers. And then all of a sudden, like to win in some games, things are going fine. They're like, you know who we should extend that guy. Good call. <laughs> bad call on Rob Palenka being with the Lakers uh, for the foreseeable future. I wrote that piece a couple weeks back that addressed the question that nobody wanted to ask about whether he was actually good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the things that he's done were not him. LeBron, AD wanted to come anyway, but he did sign the surrounding cast. There were some gaslighty things that he did that feature, but good call. Paolo Getty. Good call, because I'm all for rewarding people who win, and he won. He he ousted Magic, and he's he's the guy now. And I, at this point, what are you going to do? You, you just got to hand it to him. He's still standing, but only because Magic decided to quit on TV when nobody knew it was happening. Well, you know... He's there. He's there. That's all that matters. I'm tipping which way I'm going on this. I'm I'm (laughs) revealing too much. Dan Devine. Uh, yeah, good call. History is written by the winners, and he's the one that got, at the end of the day, the, the signings of LeBron James and Anthony Davis happened on his watch. So he winds up getting the credit for that. Steve Allman. Come at the king. You best not miss. He did not miss. Good call. These are all wrong. Uh, I would say bad call. <laughs> he should he should give a cut to Rich Paul. This is he got this promotion because of Rich Paul. He should send Rich Paul a nice fruit basket. All right, this next one I am very excited about because it is such a Knicks thing. Uh, so the Knicks had a contest where a fan hit a half court shot. Uh, and as Zach Cram pointed out, another shout to our teammate Zach Cram. The in the last half decade, actual real life Knicks are 0 for 76 from that same distance. So this guy did something that the real professional Knicks hadn't even done. And what did he get for it? He was rewarded with $1,000 worth of scratch lottery tickets, not even money or like a trip or anything, but scratch lottery tickets. So Haley O'Shaughnessy, good call or bad call on the Knicks just throwing a bunch of scratchers at this guy who did something the Knicks couldn't do. I am on my laptop right now starting a GoFundMe for him. I love this. I'm like halfway through it. This, I've never used GoFundMe before, so. This feels like a <laughs> bad call. It's a bad call. It's a bad call. Paolo Ugetti. Bad call. I would say they should have given him a 10-day, but I wouldn't want to subject that guy to to be more part of the Knicks organization. Dan Devine. Uh, bad call because the the industry standard here is that you give somebody actual money. And, uh, you know, as opposed to the chance to win money. And this is this is bad. You should if there's one thing the Knicks have, it's money. Give it to the guy. <laughs> I want to know before I go to Steve Allman, how many did they give him? Like how many like scratchers is he going to sit in his living room? Did it, was it like just a couple or one that's worth a thousand or does he have like a thousand $1 scratchers to go through? Great question. This could be a time commitment. Steve Allman. I, I, I can't imagine like the, the, the holiday gift giving that he has to receive now that he's gotten scratchers from his own team, let alone people in his own family. This is a bad call. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, also bad call. Although as Nas said, uh, the book that bought the bottle could have struck the lotto. So, who knows? Maybe this guy strikes the lotto and everybody's going to be like, see what see what the Knicks did for him? This whole thing was just so Gons could show everybody he yeah. knew a Nas lyric. Right. So, uh, I know Stay man. woke, uh, everybody. 100%. Stay woke. Listen, uh, my age demands that I know many <laughs> Nas lyrics. Uh, by the way, it just occurs to me that getting the old group chat gang back together is fun. This is group chat wow, yeah. 2.0 here uh, on Heat Check. Oh. There's a reception. 
You got. You got to <laughs> give the people got, what they want. You got to give Haley her coffee. You got to give Haley her coffee. Hello, I'm coffeeless over here. What happened? I know that's one part I don't miss about it. Bring it to New York. <laughs> oh my god, this has made me sound so awful. This is wonderful. Uh, I'm so glad you guys could join us. That was good call, bad call. I want to thank Paolo Ugetti who brought the coffee and also some wonderful opinions to the show for joining us. Haley O'Shaughnessy, Dan Devine, our producer Steve Allman, and all of you. Please rate and review us. Read all of our content on TheRinger.com. Listen to The Ringer NBA show on The Ringer Podcast Network and Heat Check will be back next Monday in its regular spot. Thanks for listening, gang. Bye. 